Hi there. Thank you for connecting with me and subscribing to Living the Sky Life podcast. I hope that the content of each episode brings you hope, connection, and some valuable takeaways. The Special Needs Parenting Village is large, so you should never feel like you have to travel this journey alone. Please connect with me through my Living the Sky Life Facebook page or Instagram account. And let's keep this conversation going after each episode airs. Thanks again for tuning in for season two of Living the Sky Life. You guys, I am so excited for my guest on the podcast today. A few weeks ago, I had the opportunity to stumble upon, really, um, the 2017 documentary, Far From the Tree. If you have not had the opportunity to watch that, it's available on Hulu. It might even be on YouTube, and I can link up the, um, the link to that movie. But I highly recommend any parent of a child with special needs to watch that movie. When I watched and they profiled um, my guest uh, that's on the podcast today, her family, and their child with autism who is around my son Skylar's age, I cried ugly tears because it was so remarkable to see someone going through exactly what we are going through at this very moment. I've talked a few times on several episodes that we just started spelling with Skylar um, and that we're hoping that through the spelling program and starting um, Proloquo to Go and some of these other mechanisms that we will finally find an opportunity for him to communicate with us in whatever way he chooses to, but presenting him with multiple options like spelling, I hope will be all the difference. And so in, in the um, documentary, my guest, Amy Allnut um, and her son, Jack, experience uh, a program um, called RPM where they are spelling and learning to spell in a very rapid weekend of four days of intensive spelling. And um, now her son communicates through typing. It's just such a remarkable story and it gives me so much hope. And I highly encourage you to listen until the very end of the episode. Amy reads a narrative that Jack uh, typed out and wrote for a school project and it will melt your heart. It's so nice to hear from his own words what an obstacle it has been in his life to learn to communicate and how much spelling and typing has has given him his power back to be able to communicate what he needs. It's very moving. So please listen to the very end so you can hear that touching narrative read by um, Amy. So a little bit more about my guest. Amy uh, Allnut is a mom to three kids. She has her daughter, Elizabeth, who's 23, Emma, who's 21, and her nonverbal autistic son, Jack, who is 18. She's been married to her husband, Bob, for 25 years. The Allnuts world exploded when their son Jack attended an RPM camp in Austin, Texas in 2012, where he learned to type to communicate. Since then, Amy and her family have advocated for the voices of those who type to communicate and have shared their story with many to bring hope to other families with children like Jack. The journey has been challenging, but worth it. Jack is currently mainstreamed in high school and taking grade level classes with a one-on-one communication partner. He hopes to attend community college when he graduates in May 2022. Amy and her family were one of the five families featured in the documentary Far From the Tree based on the New York Times best-selling book of the same title by Andrew Solomon. The film documents their struggles before Jack learned to communicate and how families with children of different identities cope to find peace and acceptance. 
The film is still available to watch on Hulu. And as I said, I will link the trailer. In addition to being a mom and wife, Amy is also a full-time professor at Marymount University in Arlington, Virginia, and a doctoral student in health and human performance at Concordia University in Chicago. Please enjoy my really exciting conversation with Amy Allnutt. So on today's episode of Living the Sky Life, I have the pleasure of talking to Amy Allnutt. I um, actually reached out to Amy after watching the documentary, uh, Far From the Tree. When the minute I saw your family's story, Amy, I, I, I mean, I know a lot of us say to each other, oh my gosh, I can relate so much to everything, but this is the one story that I feel like it is exactly mimicking our family and even our current life right now with spelling that I've talked about so many times on the podcast recently. So I am so thrilled that you accepted my invitation to be on the podcast with me today and talk about all the things you guys have gone through. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. Happy to be here. Sure. So as I mentioned, I was extremely emotional um, watching Far From the from the tree. Um, how was your family kind of contacted or how did you even find out about the book and the movie and um, to, to be a part of it? Well, and just so you know, I was very emotional filming the, the movie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, we were at a conference in Syracuse, New York. Um, it was the um, institution, Institute for Communication and it's a part of their special ed department in Syracuse. And we were there for a conference and the executive producers were there and they came to one of our sessions and my girls happened to be on a sibling panel. So it was my girls that actually got the gig for us. They, <laughs> they were impressed by the sort of our family dynamic and how we um, talked about Jack and his journey. So they approached us after the conference and they vetted us for a few months, came to our house, sort of watched our family dynamic and then asked us to be a part of the film. I had not read the book. Um, I wasn't really familiar with the book at all. So um, then we got the book and it's a huge book. It's almost a thousand pages. Oh, really? Wow, yeah. they condensed it a lot for the they movie. <laughs> but they have different chapters. And so we were really representing the autism chapter component of that book. Um, so then we started filming and we filmed for about two years. Oh, wow, really? Yeah. Okay. Um, you can see Jack evolves as a young boy into a little bit of a man by the end mm -hmm. of the film. And then they edited it and we premiered it in 2017. And it's still amazing that it's so impactful to so many people. I hear from a, a lot of folks online about this film. So we're very proud of it and proud to be a part of this. Yeah, it's, it's impressive. I mean, just the whole movie, the concept of the whole movie of just identifying families that have situations that are different than the quote unquote norm. Um, it was just nice to see a family, the truth represented and what we live, which is the nonverbal side of autism. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there was one specific scene in the movie and I want everyone to watch it. So I'm not going to give a ton of um, detail away, but there's a scene where you are, I think you're helping Jack, your son, eat, um, and you're sitting across from each other, and he's smacking you and all of those things, and I started crying, and my husband turned away from his golf that he was watching, and he said, you know, what, what's going on? And I'm like, that is, that is what I experience every single day, 
every single day. I get smacked when I'm feeding him. I get my hair pulled. I get all of these things. And I just recently wrote a blog and I said in it, I don't even know if he likes me. Like, I don't feel like he likes me at all. He, you know, doesn't understand all that I've done for him in his lifetime. And, you know, all of those things. And I, and just seeing you tear up in that little part of the interview. Um, and you were like, I'm just so angry. He makes me so angry when he hits me. And I, I felt validated that it's okay to be upset. You could only take so much as a, as a person to be smacked so much by your child that's supposed to love you. So, um, oh my gosh. I mean, how hard was that for you to, to be honest and just show the, the horrible side of not being able to communicate with your child? Well, when we signed up to do the film, my husband and I and the whole family, we sat down and we're like, if we're going to do this, we're going to do it. And, and that was really hard. Even my closest friends, after they saw the film, they said, I had no idea that that was your life. I mean, of course they don't. They don't know the day in and day out of what it's like. Mm -hmm. And um, But we had decided that we want people to really know what it's like. So we didn't hide anything, as you can see. That, that segment of the film that you're talking about, my husband recorded on his iPhone. And I had wanted him to record it only to show my family, really, about, you know, what this is what we go through every night at dinner time. I was trying to get Jack to eat steak. And um, we had gone through an intensive feeding program. And so we were trying to get him to eat some food outside of his four things that he liked. And so he just filmed that on his phone. And I never thought in a million years the whole world would see it. But you're not the first one to, to talk about that and how powerful it was. And I'm surprised they used it because it was not the best quality. But I think it had such a powerful impact. Um, and it is brutal. It is, it's still brutal. Uh, we still have episodes at home with aggression. So it's not rainbows and roses right now all the time. I um, mean, that's just part of autism. I don't think it's always linked to communication. Um, but I would definitely say it's gotten better since he's been able to communicate, but these kids are locked and trapped in their bodies and being aggressive is, is sort of their last straw. I think that's the way I see it, but I've, I, I'm human. And I would say even now it's still as hard when he gets aggressive, but the episodes are few and far between, not, not like they were. When he was younger, so Obviously, he was nonverbal, and, and I mean, still nonverbal in the speaking sense, but um, I obviously, you guys probably tried every single thing that we've <clears throat> all tried, like ABA and just all of the things to try to get some sort of communication out of him um, prior to the spelling that we'll talk about. But um, were the aggressions, can he kind of explain to you now that he can spell that the aggressions were something out of his control? Um, you know, again, I, I recently, since we just started Spelling to Communicate, which I know is a different program than what you guys were using or are using, um, but the therapist said that to me, and it was very poignant. I, no one had ever said it to me before, that he can't control his body. And so that is a huge point to make for us because the motor skills aren't there as strong as they should be. So even pointing at letters and um, you know typing on a, a keyboard eventually, all of those things take so much effort and work. And it just ramps up his behaviors that we already are seeing because he's exhausted and he's mad at us because he just can't get it out. But seeing Jack, your son's behaviors 
lessened a little bit after he was able to communicate with you, like, this is how I'm feeling. That was remarkable to me because a therapist telling me that is different than your child actually spelling that out to you or sharing with you, like, I'm so sorry, I don't mean to hit you. I can't control my hands. I, you know, I don't, I don't want to do that. So was that super eye-opening for you that that's, that's a fact really with our kids and their bodies? It was eye-opening and it was reassuring, uh, you know, to hear him, he, he did apologize when he would hit us after he learned to type and he said, I'm, you know, I'm sorry, I don't want to hurt you. I'm sorry for your bruises because he would see the bruises on my arms and it made him feel horrible and he can't control his body. It's gotten better the older he's gotten, he's better, he can better self-regulate himself. But when they're little, it's much, much harder for them to control their bodies. It does get a little bit better. And he's able now to, to, to type out his feelings. But recently, when we've had, we've had a few aggressive episodes during this whole COVID, and he has said, I'm lonely, I'm tired, I, I don't want to do this anymore. I miss school, I miss my friends. And it helped give a reason to him acting out. And, and that's helpful. It just, it's reassuring to me to know that and when you just said, you don't think your son likes you, I know, in fact, he loves you. And I think our kids see what we do for them. They see how hard we work for them. Um, and that makes it even harder for them when they get aggressive. You know, I think they really feel badly about it. They are so much smarter than we, than we think they are. So if he's having like a, a recent episode where, you know, he explains that it's due to COVID and all of those things, how do you manage, I mean, is he able to just kind of go off in his room or a place and have his aggression? And now you guys kind of let, let him let it out because you know that he can't not do that. Like he needs to do that. What are the parameters that you can put on him for the aggression now that he can communicate with you a little bit? Yeah. Well, the, the recent ones in full transparency, he's a big kid. He's now 18. Yep. He's about 210 pounds. I've seen pictures. He's handsome. <laughs> um, but this one particular episode, he overwhelmed my husband and I, and we couldn't control him. Um, we almost had to call 911. Yeah, that's a whole nother. So, um, we couldn't control him that night. We had, and we do have our psychiatrist has given us some calming meds. Um, and it's just Klonopin, which if it's a muscle relaxer yeah. and just, it just helps take the edge off. And we were able to give him some Klonopin. And he, it was like he was out of his mind. It was, he was out of his body. It, even he was shaking. He was so upset. So it escalated and we were able to give him this Klonopin and calm him down. Since then, we've put him on another med that has had some success treating aggressive episodes in, in kids called Propanonol, which is actually a beta blocker. But um, I, was, I have a huge support community here of autism moms and I reached out to them and one of my friends is an integrative nutritionist and she said, you know, try this and it's been helpful. So now at his age and size, I can't say, you know, go in your room and relax. He, he can be very destructive. Um, so that's what it looks like now, but we've only had three of those probably in the last, many, many years. So I think a lot of it has to do with just being inside and, and the restrictions that have been put on him. Like all of us are struggling, they're struggling even more. 
So, but when he was younger and he, we, it was much easier. He could type what was wrong. Uh, you know, I don't want to go here. I want to go here or I want to stay on this longer. And we were able to, to manage his aggressions a lot better when he was younger, but now he's, he's just so big. Definitely different when they uh, overpower you in size and stature and all of that. So well, Taylor's taller than me, but he's skinny. Yeah, testosterone's power, powerful. And these boys, man, they, you know, they, they get a rage and it's hard to, to bring them down. So. so talk to me a little bit about the movie kind of covers this too, but you guys were introduced to um, a spelling program. And what is the program called that, that uh, Jack went through or is going through? So we did two actually. So the film highlights rapid prompting method um, that's in Texas, Austin, Texas in Halo. Or excuse me, it's called Halo. Um, the owner's name is Soma and I can't pronounce her last name. I know, yeah. <laughs> Very long, uh, she's remarkable. Mm. She's a little bit of a rock star in the, in the RPM world. And then when we came home, um, you know, we live in Maryland, so we didn't have a ton of support here, but we got into a group of other moms who have, who had boys who type to communicate. They're also highlighted in the film, the real boys. And we got together and we would have weekly sessions where we would all work together. And one of the moms was a, a trainer for facilitated communication, which is another way to type to communicate. And so we kind of merged both techniques and got Jack to where he is now. I gotcha. So one of the things that I didn't understand um, in the movie, and I'm sure it would have just been a little bit too much to go into. So when you went and um, did the <clears throat> RPM with Soma, she would put on the chair and it was intensive. I mean, you, you guys said it was four days of like doing this all day, every day. And he handled it really well until the very end, which anyone would be just overwhelmed, but mm -hmm. she took a chair and then she put three little pieces of paper on the chair. Were those pieces of paper um, alphabet letters like A through F and then whatever. So he would pick the range of letters so that he knew what she knew which board to grab with the exactly. letters or what. Okay. I assume that's what it was. Um, but it was just, again, I cried. I cried a lot in this, but <laughs> just seeing, I know, just seeing him like spell for you, the, the look on you and your husband's face, I think was what got me because I know that would be me too. The minute she was asking him about Thanksgiving and he was spelling out what he likes and doesn't like. And you guys were like crying, laughing almost like who knew he knew he hated pumpkin pie. Who knew he liked mashed potatoes so much or whatever. It's like, I think you said it in some way in the movie, like, oh my gosh, he's in there. Like there's a whole person that I don't know and I can finally get to know and it's crazy because he was what 13 when you guys were doing no, that um 11 oh 11 okay gotcha yeah, yeah. so I mean what was it like for you guys sitting in that room and like he's spelling and he's communicating at an 11 year old level we were completely blown away I, know, I can't imagine and at one point a mailman came in to the office and Soma said to Jack, who's that? And he typed out mailman and she said, well, what does he bring? And he typed out letters. And at this point, remember, I thought he was completely impaired. He, mm -hmm. 
hadn't communicated with us at all. He's completely nonverbal. He's always acts out. So my assumption was, well, he doesn't know anything. I mean, and early on when we did ABA, he was not good at it. I mean, he couldn't because of his motor function. Now I understand, but he couldn't point to the things they asked him to point to. So I thought he was really very impaired. So when he started to answer these questions, my husband and I were just completely blown away by his answers and his humor. He actually is very funny. And we, we were staying at my sister's house during that whole week because she lives in Austin. And we'd go home and just cry and call family. And we didn't bring our girls with us on that trip. So when we came home from that trip, we showed them this video because Soma videotaped it, thankfully. Um, and we looked at our girls and we said, your brother's in there. He knows everything that you know. He just can't get it out. And, and they cried with us. It was so powerful. And I've said it before. I, I feel like we were living a miracle. It was a, an absolute miracle that he went from being completely silent to being able to communicate what he, what he wanted and what he was thinking and his capacity to learn just, you know, went off the charts. I think they're learning all along, but they're just not able to express it. It was unbelievable. And I think you, we fill out so many forms at doctor's offices and different things. And I was always under the impression until recently that he was probably about a three-year-old maybe mentality. And then, you know, when he's spelling, the, the therapist has always told us like, presume competence, presume he is 17. He knows what's happening in the news in the world. He knows what's going on. Don't talk down to him, you know, like he's three because his behaviors model that of a temper tantrum of a three-year-old or whatever. So I just paired the two things together. Um, yeah. Just assumed he didn't know all the things. So, I mean, it's crazy that it, you know, we, we give and give and give and do pecs and Every therapy possible, we've done it. And like Jack, Skyler, nothing ever has resonated with him. Sign language, you name it, nothing. And I feel like I failed, but it just, I've never given up. And I swear, if this doesn't work for him, I'll do something else. But it's just figuring out the method. So, you know, obviously Jack took to spelling and that's what he's needed all along. He's just needed a way to communicate that isn't pictures, you know, or whatever. I guess Pax is just not, <laughs> maybe that seems juvenile to them too. Like maybe he's like, this is seriously, you want me to picture, to point at a picture of a juice box? I'm 17. <laughs> well, and he said that they weren't, they weren't really his thoughts. Like he, the choices were never what he wanted to pick. Yes. Yes. You know, um, like you, you can only, we had a Dynavox for many years and he, he hated that thing. Be, and I think part of it was because, you know, it never had the act, the choices that he really wanted. So then he's forced into this, these choices that aren't really what he wants. And it wasn't productive at all. That's what I'm afraid of because, you know, the therapists all say in a kind way, like, well, they'll either kind of lie to us or fabricate and say, yeah, he mastered this skill. And I'm like, mm, did he? But they're giving him like yogurt and applesauce. And he's like, yogurt, I guess. And they won't eat it. And I'm like, why are you not eating it? You chose it. 
because he probably didn't want either of those. He probably wanted goldfish crackers and that wasn't a choice. So he's like, well, between the two, I guess I'd rather have that, but I don't want that either. So then I feel horrible because I'm just getting it wrong so much, <laughs> you know? Oh. And it's easy to beat yourself up. I mean, it's really easy to beat yourself up, but you know, we're, we're, we're raising these kids with the, with no instruction manual. We, so, you know, just the fact that you said you're never giving up, keep going part of your journey, you'll find the right answers. But I do feel like I don't regret all the time we spent doing all these other things because they've let, they led us to where we are now. And um, even though that some of them were awful and, you know, we did IV chelation forever. We had a nurse that came into our house. I've never but, done that. That's the only thing I had never tried. I mean, we, we did so much and, and I can't beat myself up about it because it's, I mean, I, it, I can, and I, I do, but I have to interrupt that and say, no, look where you are now. We got to this place as a result of going through all those things. So that really helps me to, to not regret all those therapies we did. Yeah. Well, I know every child is different, but from the time that you met with Soma um, to now with Jack almost being 19, obviously it's been, you know, almost an eight year process, but how long when you got home, did it? connect with you and, and Bob to, um, you know, establish that at home and hold up the keyboard or do the letter boards. Cause you know, a lot of times we're our own therapists for our kids because we don't have anyone local either. Mm -hmm. So was it really hard for you guys, for him to spell for you and, you know, because you don't do it the way she does it exactly. So, um, mm -hmm. did he, did he struggle with spelling with you too or? He did, and it took a while. So we went in early November, and I remember on Thanksgiving Day, um, we asked him what he was thankful for, and he typed out S-O-M-A. So he typed out SOMA. <laughs> so that was very sweet. So, but we were really only getting one word answers at that point. I mean, she was able to get sentences, right? But, so it did take us a while, but me, you know, having the support of my other friends and the other boys, motivated me and it motivated Jack to keep practicing. So we had to practice a lot. It wasn't, it wasn't a, a quick learn. It took us many months to get where we could even get a sentence out. Um, so we were doing a lot of, but we were doing choices. Like you could have asked your son, do you want applesauce or yogurt or something else? And then he could type something else, you know? So we did a lot of that in the beginning. Okay. We, we had the support of our, our Syracuse University folks. So um, we were off and running, but it took some time. It definitely took time. And there were, you know, you felt like maybe one day you'd go forward and the next day he wouldn't type with you at all. You'd go backward a little bit. And that's pretty typical. With Jack's motor ability um, being a little bit delayed, I guess, too, does that affect his eyes as well as when he's, you know, choosing the letters and typing? One of the things that our therapist has pointed out to us um, is that, you know, it takes obviously so much energy for Skylar to raise his arm and then extend his finger. And then, but the biggest part is skimming that board and looking for the right letter. By the time he does all of that, he's so tired. So he's close, like he'll maybe hit between two letters and we kind of know what he's saying, but I don't want to guess. Um, so is that a little bit of a struggle? I noticed in some of the video towards the end that Jack is able to type and he's not looking. And I think you even say at one point, like, well, look at the letters, make sure you get the right one that you want to say. So does, I mean, that's kind of remarkable to me that he's able to 
to type without really looking directly at them as closely? Mm -hmm. Or is that just misinterpretation on my part? Well, and I explain it to people. It's like us. We can type without looking at the letters, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because you, they've memorized, at least for Jack, I, I think he's got a little bit of a photographic memory. Um, and that's just years of experiences that have t maybe explained that to me. But he, when we first learned, we were really adamant about having him look. But that is hard for him. And I think he has the keyboard in his head. He knows exactly where things are. But we still encourage that for, for sort of best practices that he keeps looking at the keyboard. So he's much better now. It's, it's sort of become, he's a little more trained when he knows when he's got the keyboard in front of him, he's got to focus on the letters and, and that's gotten a little bit better. Um, we do encourage that. Plus, you know, a lot of, there is controversy <clears throat> around these techniques in the, in the special ed community. So I'm really adamant about him looking to make sure that they're again, the best practices to make sure he's hitting the right letters and that people actually believe what he's typing is authentic. So let's go back, I guess, to childhood. And I know you have two daughters. They're both older than Jack, right? Right. I have an, uh, my oldest is 23 and I have another daughter who's 21. Gotcha. So what was their relationship like when they were younger with Jack? I mean, was he aggressive to them as well? Um, or did they just kind of avoid him? Yeah, I think they mostly avoided him. I mean, they were, they're very close in age, so they would just play together. And, you know, when they were, when Jack was little, my husband and I were overwhelmed and we most 80% of our day was spent, you know, taking care of Jack. And so I think the girls just learned a little bit to play with each other and kind of ignore their brother. They knew he was different. Um, so they just kind of ignored him for many, many years. And I would say after we came home from Texas, they were a little bit older. They were probably middle school age by then. And so they could really see how powerful this was. And their relationships with him started to evolve a little bit into the, the typical brother-sister relationship. So much so that my middle daughter, I have to remind her sometimes that Jack has autism because she's, she, <laughs> she gets so mad at him for stuff and, and I'm like, well, he does have autism. So, um, but they're both great with him. They're amazing sisters. They're very protective of him. They take him out now. Um, they feel comfortable taking him out and doing stuff with them. So they, the relationship has certainly evolved over the years. So is everybody in the family of the immediate family comfortable with um, spelling with him, uh, you know, and using the keyboard with him and, having a conversation? Yeah, I would say the girls, I mean, typical brother-sister relationship, they're not sitting down and having these really in-depth conversations yeah. anyway. <laughs> sure. So if they, if they wanna know what he wants for dinner or where he wants to go, they can, they can certainly get that out with him. So um, we tend to ask the bigger questions and school, you know, he types a lot at school. So they can type with them, but they're not really getting long sentences out of him. Well, I, does Jack understand like what, kind of he's famous, but I mean, just the impact that he's made for families like mine um, and like yours with children that go so many years with no communication, no means of communication. And we just think that they're aggressive and, you know, we just are 
kind of destined to just kind of deal with their tantrums the rest of our life and they'll never communicate with us. He has opened my eyes even more to the possibilities for my own son and probably millions of other families. Does he understand the movement that he's, you know, helped create with us trying to get our kids to communicate in whatever way is comfortable for them? He does. You know, I, I routine, like I told him about our conversation we were going to have today and that you reached out. I get a lot of people reach out through social media um, asking me questions and I'll read those to him. And um, I, so I think he does know the impact he's having. I mean, um, him and his other friends, the other real boys, they, they've all made a lot of um, impactful. I mean, they helped get themselves mainstreamed into regular education. So I love that. Yeah, they are. Um, I, yes, I think he does know what an impact he's making. He he when we had the cameras following us around, he did say I really like having the cameras follow me. <laughs> um, I think he needs a reality show just for him. <laughs> yeah, but he, he yeah, no, he's very um, he is a huge advocate for himself and for others like him. So whenever we get a chance together to speak, we do it all the time. We have speaking engagements all the time and he, and he likes that. Love that. I, I mean, I love it. I love that he says outright, like I'm smart. Like, so, mm -hmm. you know, bear with me because I'm really smart and I'm going to tell you exactly what I need to. You just need to be patient because it's going to take me a little bit longer to do that. Um, mm -hmm. Man, that's awesome. Does he still have uh, an aide at school to help him with the typing and um you know, all of those things that were kind of portrayed in the movie. I don't know if that was middle school that he had that or if that followed him through high school too. Yeah, the, that was middle school. And in high school, he does have a one-on-one -on -one aid um, every day, a dedicated one-on-one -on -one aid that helps him. That's mm -hmm. fantastic that the services are there to do that. I think it, it just probably helps him so much. He probably gets tired, you know? Of yeah, he's exhausted when he comes home from school, but he's not in school right now. He's doing virtual like everybody else. Yeah. Um, but he fought and the real boys fought very hard to get mainstream education. So unfortunately, the program that they're in will die when they graduate, sadly. Oh, really? Yeah. It doesn't follow, I mean, other kids. It's just they did it for them and that's it. They started it for them. And then I think we added like four more people to the program. And I think the county got a little overwhelmed by it. Um, it, you know, they, it's probably expensive because they need this one-on-one -on -one help. And then they stopped allowing more people in. And I think the controversy surrounding, you know, typing to communicate overwhelmed some people and overwhelmed the director and they just said no more. That's so sad because, I mean, it might be expensive on the front end, but they're helping create future citizens that can do other things in the community and have a real impact in their local communities with employment and all these things versus the people who are unable to get any sort of communication out of their children. And we're just having them at home as adults and just sitting around, you know, collecting SSI or whatever. I mean, I'd rather have Skylar be you know, productive in the society and have a job or other things if that was possible. It sounds like Jack would be extremely bored if he didn't have an outlet or something to do. Does right. he, has he expressed working? Like, does he want to work in a certain field or do certain things? He wants to manage financial portfolios. Oh, okay. 
I love that. <laughs> he loves the stock market. Um, early on when he was learning to type, before he learned to type, the, so October, he, he went to film in November. In October for Halloween, we dressed him up as Buzz Lightyear because he loves Toy Story. That's his favorite. And of course, huh? we didn't ask him what he wanted to be. We just dressed him up as Buzz Lightyear. The next year for Halloween, when he could communicate with us, we said, what do you want to be? He said, a hedge fund manager. I saw his costume. He had a briefcase with his name on it, didn't he? Yeah, <laughs> I saw that picture. <laughs> and I was like, wow. You know, all these years we were dressing you up in things we thought you'd like, and boy, were we wrong. So. I still think that's one of the hardest parts is to just not go back and go, oh man, I'm sorry. Like even now I turn on Sesame Street and he gets excited, but he's probably like, seriously, you guys, I know you love Sesame Street, but I don't. <laughs> he probably thinks I'm the one that really likes it. And that's well, why I keep turning it on. <laughs> Jack still watches Barney and the Wiggles, but I, he enjoys the music and the routine yeah. of it. Skylar too. Uh -huh. I think part of it is, um, it's like a stim almost. It, it relaxes him a little bit, but then he can navigate YouTube and he'll go and watch more, you know, basketball, little um, clips on basketball or, or baseball. So he will navigate there, but his go-to is still Barney and Wiggles. And, and we know how smart he is. I mean, this kid has reading and, and math scores off the chart, but it just brings him some sort of peace. So we let him do it. Yeah, It's probably mindless. I mean, he, he doesn't mm -hmm. have to really think about it. He can just enjoy it and listen and the colors and all of that. Mm -hmm. I think that's, I think why Skylar likes Sesame Street is the songs. Because mm -hmm. when they're doing a scene and acting stuff out, he kind of walks away. And then as soon as the music starts, he gravitates back to the TV again. So it's probably mm -hmm. similar. Um, when you just mentioned stimming, it made me think, has Jack ever expressed to you guys um, certain behaviors that maybe he had that was kind of on a loop? Like maybe in your house, he would go to the same rooms, the same things and touch the same things or, you know, swipe things off tables or whatever. And even if you guys would say, stop doing that, don't do that, you know, don't touch that. Um, he kept, had to keep doing it. I guess it's ex been explained to us again, too, that Skylar's um, inability to keep his hands off of things that are not for him to touch, he just keeps doing it no matter what we say. And um, they told us we have to break the loop by putting up a gate or shutting a door or doing something because he can't stop himself from that either. Mm -hmm. Did Jack ever have that issue? Um, growing up or like loops of things? He does and he still struggles with those. I think he's he's pretty OCD with some things like doors. Okay. No, you know, doors can't be open in the house. So he has to shut all the doors and that we don't mind. The other thing that's pretty um, embarrassing is he steals people's food. And so that is one we we're working on. And And we do have the conversations like, dude, it's not cool that you steal people's french fries in restaurants and he he understands he kind and, I, and he explains he couldn't control himself so we're working on that we're working on that whole body part that and to me his brain is fully capable i i know that his it's almost like his body's impaired and his brain is capable like i've, I've realized now controlling his body is so much harder for him it's gotten better again he's older he can self-regulate a little bit better and we can talk him off the ledge a little bit better than we used to, but he's, he does have those loops for sure. Is he able to give you suggestions like about the fry thing? Like, 
okay, this is what I need you to do. Like, I need you to help me walk out with my hands at my sides and you just kind of hold my elbows so I can't reach up and grab food or. Um, yes. And, and keep me from them. Don't, you know, try not to let me see them. And it does help to have things in his hands. So we're always, when we're at restaurants or at stores, trying to get him to hold things that helps or even push the cart where both of his hands are occupied. Um, Cause he's, he's been known to run down the aisle and open Nutella and start eating Nutella. <laughs> it's not funny, but it is, it's, you know, right. it's just like, well, you gotta laugh, you're laugh or you're cry. So, I know. <laughs> so we do try to keep him occupied with his hands. So it is a struggle for him. And I know it's embarrassing for him and he doesn't like it. So he wants to work on it as well, but it's hard. It's hard. Oh, I'm sure it is. That's just, it's gotta be at least a little bit of comfort that he can share in you know, suggestions and try things with you guys, instead of feeling like you're doing it to him and you're mm -hmm. punishing him in some way, he understands you're not punishing him. You're trying to help him. Mm -hmm. So man, all the things I keep saying, I, I would love that. I would like that, but I, I'm happy where I am. I just, you know, any additional help that he could provide us would be, you know, great. So we're parenting him <laughs> the way he would want us to, but I'll get there. He'll get there. Yeah. He's still a kid. Well, so I imagine your relationship with your son has progressed and just come a long way from the feelings we talked about early on about, you know, just having anger and just frustration on your own for just not being able to understand what your child needs and wants. So uh, the conversations you and Jack have had since those days, I mean, have you uncovered a lot of emotion and a lot of things with him? And where are you at? add in that journey for yourself yeah he routinely surprises us and he um has some pretty powerful thoughts about life um he's very he's sort of an empath he's very sympathetic towards others he can really read people's vibes i think he's got synesthesia he sees people in colors so he always talks about that I mean, huh, all these things, yeah. he sees people's auras. So when he looks at people, he can see, they sort of radiate a color. Um, I just think he's at a completely different frequency than we are. I think he's yeah. so evolved and he's so wise. At early on, he typed, um, God gave me to you to test your faith. Oh. <laughs> he has certainly done that, Jack. And he says, I'm here, I'm here to help you. Like he's very, very, he loves church. We, we go to church a lot and he's very, he's very spiritual. And that surprises me, but he's, and I've told him before, I'm like, you're like a 40 year old man in an 18 year old body. Sometimes the, the wisdom that comes out of his mouth is so profound. It, and it like stops me in my tracks. So we, we have had very in-depth conversations over the years about things and he, he loves the water and he explained to us, well, I was a dolphin in my previous life. So that's why he loves the water. And when he's in the water, he swims like a dolphin. It, and of course I believe him, you know, I don't, I don't, yeah. a, lot of people, a lot of people have different thoughts on that, but he's my kid and I, I but he's, he's just so unique and so special. Um, I'm glad he's a part of our lives. He's so hard some days. But he has definitely made us better, all of us. He's made all of us more patient. He's given us a perspective in life that a lot of people outside of the autism community don't get ever. 
Um, and I think that is, he did change me. He, he did change us. And I, I see value in family and, and little things like communication, you know, that we all take for granted. So he, he continues to teach us and blow us away with the stuff that he writes. He's an amazing writer. Um, and I think that really helps him get out his thoughts is in his writing. So beautiful. I, I, I use the word gift very, very cautiously, I guess, because there's a lot of people still um, living this life um, with a child with special needs. And they're like, this is not a blessing. This is not a gift. There is nothing. I would wish this on anyone. This is a horrible thing. And I thought that way years and years and years ago, but it's been a spiritual evolution for myself too. And I've come to that, that place that you just mentioned where I feel like there are some respects where autism is a gift. It has definitely taught me to be more patient. I'm still working on it every day. Um, and just the resiliency that our kids have to demonstrate in life has made me more resilient as well. And I think there's so many more things I have yet to learn about myself and just existing um, through Skylar's eyes and through, through him. And I think he can teach so many people in the world empathy and sympathy and understanding and just through him being him. So I do think that they were, they chose us for a reason as their parents. We may never know exactly what it is um, while we're in this life, but I'm trying to find those silver linings and, you know, those, those things that I'm supposed to be learning instead of just kind of being negative and, you know, hateful about autism in general. It definitely stinks. There are days where I, don't, I wouldn't wish that on anyone and I hate that he has to suffer with it, but you know. Yeah, we can't change that. All we can do is change the way we react, right? And so yeah. I think, you're right. I, I think some days are beautiful, beautiful blessings. And some days I just want to go back to bed. And I think that's normal, whatever normal is. You know, I think that's very typical of our lives and we, we can't change it. Mm -hmm. Yep. It's just a different relationship, different mm -hmm. bond with our kids. Well, you mentioned um, Jack's writing and I um, pulled up on his Facebook page, actually, um, a little narrative that he wrote for, um, it was a school assignment, I guess, mm -hmm. um, to describe an obstacle in his life and what he learned from overcoming it. You said he's an excellent writer and I agree wholeheartedly he is. Would you mind terribly reading the um, narrative that he wrote? I'd be happy to. This was for an assignment and I, had, I didn't even know he wrote it um, until it was posted. <laughs> Oh, really? <laughs> so he wrote it with one of his um, therapists. Do you want me to read the whole thing? Sure. It's not that long. It's not. I love hearing things in his own words. It, it, I think it'll touch a lot of parents to understand truly from Jack's mind and his voice what the obstacle is that he talks about. So, mm -hmm. Yes. So the title is Narrative. My entire life has been an obstacle to overcome. I am autistic. My entire life has been an obstacle to overcome. I'm struggling now as I write this to pinpoint that moment to focus on, but I will try to stay focused for you, dear reader. I'm going to focus on communication, which is a definitive obstacle that autistics face. Also, side note, almost every autist I know prefers to use autistic as an identity. That person first language doesn't make me any less autistic. Now onto my communication obstacle. 
I cannot remember a time when speaking was easy for me. My parents told me that I did start speaking just like any toddler, but as far back as my memories take me, words have been hard for me. My voice for the longest time was my behaviors. I would throw a tantrum when I was upset or jump and flap my arms when I was excited. But I had no way to say I love you. Even giving hugs was hard because I had no control over my body and didn't like being touched. Enter Soma, RPM. My amazing parents never gave up on me and always believed that I had more inside me than I could get out in those very difficult years. A friend of mine, also an autist, has seen a woman in Texas who taught him how to spell out his words on a simple laminated piece of paper with the alphabet printed on it. When my parents saw him communicating, instead of hitting and grabbing, they immediately knew they had to give it a try. We flew to Texas to meet Soma, then never looked back. Now reader, let me explain. The ability to communicate by spelling did not happen overnight. The whole process has been years long and I still have to rely on someone I trust to hold my letterboard or keyboard when I have something to say. Even typing this essay has taken me far longer than any of my typical peers would take. And it required me to rely on a 30 something year old woman to coach and motivate me the whole way through as she holds my keyboard. I wanna be independent. I wanna jump into conversations without someone else being right next to me. I don't wanna be the reason every conversation I do join comes to a screeching halt while I spell out my thoughts one letter at a time. But it is a process and I'm still learning. I have learned through this entire process. I have learned patience. I have learned to allow myself space. I have learned that I have so many people cheering me on. I have learned that there are no limits to the love of my family. But most importantly, I have learned that I am every bit as capable as all of my peers, typical, autistic, or otherwise abled. Oh, that is so beautiful. I just, oh, you have done such a wonderful job as parents. He is an amazing young man. I know you're incredibly proud of him. We are very proud. It's been, like he says, a process, but a really powerful learning process. For sure. Do you have any feedback or advice? I always, again, hate to use the word advice because we're all on a different journey and each of our situations are unique. Um, for parents who are struggling with a child that's nonverbal and they just don't feel like their child is ever going to communicate or that they're really in there and that they're understanding. Do you have any advice at this point in your life <laughs> for the other parents that are going through the similar thing? Yeah. And I've gotten some good advice over the years. So I would share, and you said it earlier, earlier, the presumption of competence. Um, I didn't have that for many years, but presume your child is competent, treat them like, they deserve to be treated. So that's the first thing, and that's a daily practice. The other thing is don't give up hope. There is always hope. You will find something that clicks. But to be patient with yourself, to be patient with the process, you'll have really great days and you'll have really dark days. I would encourage support, whether it's through family members, a support group, other moms, other parents, you definitely need support and you need a community to help build you up. And I would say, don't compare your child to anybody else. Try not to compare. They're all unique. They're all special. 
they all have different abilities and when you start to compare them you take that away and i think embracing their uniqueness is what's so important so that's what i've learned and I, i'm still learning i'm still in an evolution of my my own life and how i manage um autism i do a lot of self-care try to i've gotten better at it I, you know i talk to a therapist i i have supportive friends um it's important to take care of yourself too because this journey is taxing very taxing and the only way you can help your child is if you're in a good space mentally um, and physically as well so take care of yourself as well that is perfect i agree wholeheartedly and it it's hard not to feel selfish when you take 10 minutes even for yourself but you're not as good of a parent if you don't to any of your children not just your child on the spectrum but to, to your spouse to everyone if you're exhausted you're no good to anybody so i i agree so much um i guess in closing amy what what would be the future um that you would see for jack what do you want for his his future dreams and aspirations and um if he could have and do anything which he can um what would you love to see his adult self look like i mean just like my other kids i want them to be happy wherever they are doing whatever um they find passion in so i hope jack finds some kind of job that fulfills him and that's um something really important to him i i want it to I want him to like to go to work and not have it be some mundane task. Um, I want him to live independently, but I mean, he'll, he'll never live independently, but I want him to live maybe with other kids like the other real boys and, and be able to have a life that, you know, I don't think he wants to live with his parents forever. So I do hope he will have some um, living independence at some point, a job that fulfills him, um, friendships, will be really important as well. I just wanted to be happy. Yeah. And I think you should write a book that's called The Real Boys. <laughs> I do. I think you should. I, I'm sure there are a lot of stories between you and the other moms to share. You could do a compilation of, you know, co-author the book together and I'd read it. I'd love to read it. Those I'm sure they are boys. very funny. <laughs> the real boys saved our lives for sure they are they're great and jack is still friends with them and i think he'll probably live with them at some point so oh, i would love that yeah yeah that's neat oh my goodness well thank you so very much for the time i know like you said you get a lot of requests to, to just ask you questions and talk to you so i'm honored that you um were willing to be a guest on the podcast today and i will um, link up your social media handles if people want to reach out to you, if that's okay. <laughs> You're probably going to get bombarded. But, um, and I highly encourage you listeners, if you have not seen the documentary Far From the Tree, you absolutely need to now, especially so you can put a face um, to the story um, for this beautiful family and so many of the other stories that are represented um, with different um, situations in each family it's just such a moving movie um so i highly encourage you guys to, to watch it so thanks for your time i appreciate you so much thank you Lori. it's been my pleasure absolutely we'll take care take care bye bye-bye hope you enjoyed this episode of living the sky life and we'll tune in for the next episode coming soon 
If you haven't already, please subscribe to the Living the Sky Life podcast within Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play so you'll receive alerts when new episodes are released. Subscribing is the best way to ensure you don't miss a single episode. If you like what you hear, be sure to select the five-star rating, provide feedback, and share Living the Sky Life with others. Thanks again for listening.